with me to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, if you will, tonight. 1 Corinthians. I've been preaching all week out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And we were in revival over in South Carolina, and I really thought that's where God would lead me this evening. But he changed my line of thought. He changed directions. Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I rejoice to hear of the folk who've been saved today. I'd say there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over those great events. But, I hope this is not a letdown, I'm not preaching tonight on getting saved. That's just not where God has my heart. I'm preaching tonight to Christians, to believers. You ever thought of this? As far as the Bible's got, the Bible's got 31,102 verses. Relatively few of them tell a sinner how to get saved. A handful of verses. And then I'd like to make this announcement. Thank God that's all we need. What's not to understand about believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Or whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I just believe anybody can get saved. The Holy Ghost gets a hold of it. Hey, let me go on record to believe Jesus died for everybody. Too. But, but I'm not preaching tonight on getting saved, preaching to God's people. By the way, if a handful of verses, 31,102, uh, deal with getting saved, guess what the rest of it deals with? The other 99% deals with how to live. How to live after you've been saved. That's where my heart is tonight. And I thought I'd love to be able to find a paragraph, a text, uh, that explains to me, here's the word, the impetus, the thrust, the force, the power that kept and it could be any number of Bible characters. It could have been Moses or John that kept the Apostle Paul steadfast and unmovable like he was. Boy, I'll tell you what. When it's said and done in this old boy's life, I sure hope it's my goal. It's my. I hope they can say, I'll need an amen. He has been faithful. Amen. You have that same desire. What kept Paul going? I guess that could be answered in two words. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit understood. Hey, have y'all heard? He that hath begun a good work in us will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And that's certainly true. But still, did Paul address 
how under the Holy Ghost unction. He determined and kept and stayed on course and did not drift. And there may be a better paragraph, but Holy Ghost laid four verses in 1 Corinthians 9 on my heart. So I want to read them to you. It starts at verse 24. Verse 24. I hear you fine-tuning that page, getting it ready. 9.24. Know ye not, whatever it is, Paul figured we ought to already know it. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. But but one receiveth the prize. Don't you know that? See the question mark. So run that ye may, what's that word? Somebody tell me. Obtain. Obtain. He starts out talking about runners in a race. That's third person. They run to get the prize. Then he turns it first person. Y'all, Corinthians, us, believers, we ought to so run that we may obtain. Can I say this and get any agreement? Must be something about the Christian life that's an awful lot like running a race. Uh, verse 25. And, and is a conjunction. It just continues. And every man that striveth for the mastery. That's quaint. That's beautiful. But what does it mean? Striveth for the mastery. I don't know about striving for the mastery. I think I'll get an amen here. I'm sure interested in striving for the master tonight. Anybody with me? I want to give him all I got. Uh, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. What in the world is that? Is temperate in all things. We've got to talk about that word temperate. You may not. If Paul was temperate, I'd like to be a little bit that way myself. Temperate. I figure most everybody would agree. Now, I'm in verse 25 in the middle. They do it, those runners, to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, anybody going to agree? But we, an incorruptible. Verse 26, here's where Paul, he makes it personal. Look at it. I, therefore, so run. Paul. I, therefore, so run, not as uncertainly. I don't know if you'll agree. I think there's a lot of uncertainty among us today. In many areas. Not as uncertainly. So fight I. Now, he shifted metaphors. They call it mixing metaphors. He's not now running. He's fighting. That's right. Could I convince you we are in a fight tonight? 
So fight I not as one that, what in the world? Not as one that baiteth the air. Baiteth the air, I guess. So if I'm going to fight, it's not going to be that kind of business. Verse 27. I, as Paul's rules he puts on himself, I keep under my body. Let me tell you what he just said. My body is not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell my body what to do. I've got a feeling this ain't going to be real popular. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Paul's going to train his body to do right. Lest, now wait a minute, Brother Babel, I see where you're going, but, but you've got to understand, we're saved by grace. Amen to that. We've got eternal security. We do. Buddy, I'm a proponent of it. Can I say something? You get rid of the idea and don't let them hang it on you that you've got to be either a Calvinist or an Arminian. No, you don't have to be a Calvinist or an Arminian. Let me tell you what I am. Hope I get an amen. I'm a Biblicist myself. If there's a chapter and a verse I want to preach it, I want to believe it. Hallelujah to God. I don't know how I got on that. Keep under my body and I bring it under subjection. Oh, here's how. Less. Paul's, Paul's scared of something. Something bothered me. He's, he's got these rules, these guidelines. Sounds a lot like an athlete training for an event. And he said, lest, lest by any means, when I have preached to others. And boy, did he preach to others. After I have preached to others, he didn't say I lose my salvation. Salvation is not under discussion. Christian service is under discussion. Lest after I preach to others, I myself should be a, give me the word, castaway. Paul said, I'm not going to be, God's helping, I'm not going to be a castaway. For what it's worth, I guess I'm just testifying, I don't want to be neither. And I don't want y'all to be, neither. Lest I should become a castaway. And the construction, the grammar there, lest I should become a castaway, means it is possible for one to become a castaway. Are y'all all right? And, uh, And there's nothing wrong with it. But I don't have this outlined tonight. Yes, 
I admire the men who were gifted with the ability to alliterate. I think it's a memory aid, frankly. But I don't have it alliterated. All that's on my heart tonight is to plow into these verses. Line upon line. Try to open it up, define the words, and let forget an amen. Let the Holy Ghost do the rest. It's on my heart. Verse 24. Verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. It is obvious he is using, I hope I can get by with this, an athletic word picture. Right. Running a race. Right. Yes. Uh, seems like in Hebrews 12, let us lay aside say every weight uh, that doth, uh, the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us, am I right, run with patience. Amen. The race that's set before us. So it's, it's biblical. Paul's not out of line here whatsoever. Ye know that they which run in a race, run off. The verb run is treco. T-R-E-C-H-O. It, 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 it's the Greek verb uh, when Peter and John ran to the empty tomb. Uh, on Easter morning, that's the verb, to run in a race. The word for race, it's a noun, stadia. We get our word stadium, in which many times there is a racetrack. He's talking an athletic event. Wait a minute, wait a minute. To whom is he writing? The Philippians? Uh-uh. Colossians. He's writing the Corinthians. And the Corinthians with that Greek heritage, the Corinthians were the were the, the Greeks. They were the forerunners of the Olympics. In fact, near the city of Corinth, they called them the Isthmian Games. Uh, they're uh, they're almost synonymous with the Olympics. These people had watched those athletes training and pouring out all of their strength to learn to run that race and uh, and. Uh, I don't know, he might be saying this. If the devil's crowd, if the lost crowd can train and prepare and do their best to run their race, I don't know. Uh, reckon we Christians ought to try to run our race. Pretty sure that's, that's at least part of what he is saying. I read, I read a book about the Olympics to, you know, in preparation for, for some thoughts here. And uh, said the Olympians, those that participated in the Isthmian Games in Paul's day, said just anybody couldn't take part. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Just anybody couldn't take part. That's right. I didn't know that. Said this. Hope, hope you'll get it. Said to take part in them games, you had to have the right bloodline flowing in your veins. 
There's some people ain't going to get in this thing. They're not going to run this race because their blood's not right. Well, let me just stop and preach a minute. Hallelujah. I'm glad I got a blood transition one day. I'm glad I've been washed in the blood of the darling Son of God. I don't know how I'm going to do in the race, but praise God, I'm qualified. Amen. I have these car races I don't understand a thing about, but I hear them saying, oh, so-and-so qualified. So it's, hey, could I make an announcement at the cross of Calvary? I got qualified. Amen. To run in that race. What they say? And they said this, said that if you're going to run that race, you sign up for a grueling, my textbook said, six-month Training regiment. And for six months, you did nothing but prepare to run that race. Now remember, Paul said, so run I. Hebrews says, we all supposed to be running. Six months? You add up all the church attendance some Baptists have amassed. Their whole Christian life, you wouldn't come up with six months. Somebody say amen. Amen. Six months of training. Oh, said if you, in the right bloodline, and and if you were going to go to that train, Brother Sammy, they assigned you a coach. You didn't get to pick it. They assigned you a coach. Said that coach is your boss during your six months of training. I don't know how it's going to work. It's not a little C. It's a big C. But today I got my blood situation straightened out. I got assigned the coach too. Hallelujah. And in case you hadn't got that figured out, he is God the Holy Spirit. Said that coach. Said he was your boss. During that. Listen to this. It's amazing. Said he told you when to get up. He told you when to go to bed. He told you what time you'd start running and what time you'd quit. He told you what you could and could not eat. He told everything about your life. He would tell you and said if you didn't do right, I don't know how to preach this, he'd slap you upside the head and there was nothing you could do about it but say, thank you, sir. A lot of people want Jesus merely as a fire escape from hell. Not many want him to be, well, I get an amen, Lord of their lives. Nobody going to tell me every morning, mate. Ain't nobody going to tell me where I got to go on Sunday. Ain't nobody going to tell me about that. Hey, you better start listening to your coach you had. You're going to run the race, right? Uh, let's go on because time will get away. Uh, they all run in a race. But one, one receiveth 
the price. All that work, all that training, and just one of them receives the prize. It's almost sad. Just one of them receives the prize. This is good news. In the race we're in, hope I get an amen, we're not competing against each other. They said some of them boys, John Ward just won, received the prize, said it, they'd try to trip, if they could throw that leg out, umpire not say, they'd try to trip up their, uh, their lane mate. Said they, uh, they'd throw dirty his eyes if they could get by with, hey, we're not competing with each other. We don't need to throw dirt in each other's eyes. We don't need to try to trip each other up. Thank God we can all get the prize. Uh, back to my text while I hope I hadn't left it. Only one receiveth the prize. And oh, what a verb. Lombano, it's a verb. Receiveth the prize. Means he's glad to get I'll use this right here. He's glad to get it. He'll love it. He'll cherish it. It's going on the mantle at his house. He's going to, he's going to treasure that, that, that prize. I don't know. You, you may not know. I just happen to believe. God's people are going to stand before him one of these days. Brother Baloo, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And I do believe he's going to give out. Will I get an amen? I believe he's going to give out some rewards, ladies and gentlemen. Can't promise you I'll be one of the ones rewarded. But if I do, I'm going to... I'm going to love it. I'm going to realize I'll probably lay it at his feet, but I'm going to, I want to receive the prize. Are y'all with me? I want to get the next clause in my verse. In fact, I think, I think, no, 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 end of verse 24. So run that ye may obtain. So run that ye may Obtain. We've gone from third person them to first person run. He's talking to the Corinthians. You are charged of God to run the race. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be ugly. I'm going to say this and just sort of feel you. I'm afraid a lot of us are trotting when we should be running. I'm afraid, I didn't say a lot of you, I'm afraid there are a lot of us that are nowhere near doing our best for our coach, for our master, for our Lord. I don't title my sermons. I wish I, almost wish I knew how. But if I was pressed to the wall, here it is, doing a little bit more. Running a little bit faster. Fighting a little bit harder with the charge God has given and put on our lives and in our hearts. Are y'all okay? Verse 25. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, he's talking to Christians. I guess they're carnal is what he called them. 
They weren't where they should be, but believers. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. There are two words there I must discuss with you. Get this. It's amazing. Striveth for the mastery. Striveth for the... It's four English words. It's one Greek verb. And, and, and it is what? Forget the ending. That's technical enough. It is literally the English word to agonize. I, I, I want to say it again. I, I didn't get to scan you. No. It is literally the word to agonize. Every man that striveth for the mastery. You're going to hate me before it's over, I guess. I'm not sure many of us really agonize in our service for the Lord. That word agonize, it is a word they use when they're wrestling in the games. Wrestling in the games. And a fellow told me, he said, you can't talk about wrestling from the pulpit. Agonize. Hey, if you don't think a Christian can wrestle, ask old Jacob when you get to heaven. He wrestled. And Paul, elsewhere, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You hear me? We are in a wrestling match. Striving for the mastery. The songwriter said it probably best. Must I be carried to the sky on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas. I want to say something to us. Christians in America, we've got no guarantees it's going to be smooth sailing the rest of the trip. He that striveth for the mastery. His name was Alexander McLaren, British preacher. Pastored the same church 50 years, Union Baptist Chapel in Manchester. Alexander McLaren. In his 50 years, preached all the way through the Bible to that congregation of people. The magisterial 17-volume set, Expositions of Holy Scripture by Alexander McLaren. A lot of you've got the book, so you've got it on CD. You've got it digitally. Brother Sammy, they didn't write those down as he preached them. In his old age, they came to Dr. McLaren. And they said, we'd love to put together a set of books of your preaching. Can you help us? And that man sat in his chair. And gave them Genesis through Revelation, 17 double volumes. 
out of God's Word. I just want to say this. I believe he did some striving. I'm not going to let you off that line. That man agonized in his ministry to be the best pulpiteer he possibly could be. And he is one of my favorite preachers, but I read his biography. In fact, I've read two of them. And this is what it says. Said Alexander McLaren, preachers, don't, don't cut me off. Listen to Said Alexander McLaren spent an average, get this, of 20 hours in every sermon he preached. 20 hours in every sermon he preached. I don't know. Best not say amen here. Boy, sure to make us feel funny sometimes when we put 15 minutes in one. I better change that. Excuse me, 30 minutes in one. Agonizing, striving for the mastery. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Not a one of us in this building, God, not a one of us, the preacher we could be if we try a little harder for Jesus' sake. You say you're just talking to the preachers. No, that'll work for Sunday school teachers. That'll work for ushers. That'll work for anybody. Praise God. No man, uh, I, I'm in verse 20. Every man that strives for the mastery, he's temperate in all things. Temperate in all things. Oh, what a word. It, it's, it's an adjective as it sits here. It uses the word kratos, which means power, might, or strength. And it uses a prefix, a preposition. It means strength and power down within. Brother Blue, that's certainly not talking about human ability. That's talk. I'll tell you what it's talking about. Hope we get an amen. That's talking about the power the Holy Ghost can put in there. Temperate. But et kratos, preacher, it is the word used in our Bibles. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness, Temperance, temperance, it's the same word. Strength, determination, resolve down inside. You know what I think that's liable to make you do? I think it might make you go to church even if your head's hurting a little bit. I think it might sit at the table, and I've already had a slice of that cherry pie. If I got enough, excuse me, guts, determination in me, might help me say no to that third slice of cherry pie. Now I lost you right there, didn't I? Oh. Do you remember I told you that coach told them what they could eat and what they couldn't eat? If I deliberately hurt my body, I'm losing you. If I deliberately hurt my body, the temple of the Holy Ghost, that's probably a sin in God's eyes, ladies. 
But how long has it been since I heard? How long has it been since you heard a sermon on old-fashioned Holy Ghost self-control? Yeah, probably does cover overeating. Might cover not getting enough rest for my body. Might include smoking cigarettes. Somebody say amen. Amen. Might include having enough gumption to turn the TV off and not watch that filthy thing that's fixing to come off. A little bit of self-control. That's right. Brother Bible, you misunderstand me. That's grace, grace, grace. We're living in the age of grace. Paul said, we better, we better learn to strive for the mastery. We, we, we better get a little bit of temperance about ourselves in these last days. Are you all all right? Amen. Alexander, why I'm back on him, Alexander McLaren. Got up. He's a preacher, full-time preacher. He don't work in the coal mines. He, he don't work out uh, in the street. He got up at 4 o'clock every morning, opened his Bible and sat down at his little plain desk and got to studying the Word of God. Brother Sammy, listen to this. Said when he would go to work, said he would put on work boots. You don't need to wear work boots to study Genesis. Said he had put on his work boots because of this. He said, no man in my congregation is going to be at his job before their pastor is at their job. Said they're dressed for work. I'm going to dress for work. I want to agonize and get some nuggets to feed them next Sunday morning. Boy, that sounds dangerously like self-control to me. Uh, I'm going too slow and I know it. I'm trying to speed up, preacher. Uh, in the middle of verse 25. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. The runners. The Olympians. A corruptible crown. Oh, oh, that word crown is interesting. You know it. Stephanos. The name Stephen. His name means crown. Uh, Stephanos. But, what, what do you mean? They get a corruptible crown. It's, it's the reward they'll get if they're first. If they're first. But, but the word crown. Stephanos means a crown. You have won in combat or in athletic practice. It is something you won because of your ability. And I'm not knocking it. Thank Stephanos. There is another crown in the New Testament. It is called diademos. It is the word diadem. And what is diadem? It's not a crown you earn. It's not a crown you fight for. It's a crown they put, hope I get an amen. It's a crown they put on your head because of who you are. Because of the dignity and the honor somebody has invested in you. I'm glad we can earn some crowns, Stephanos. But oh, I'm telling you, one of these days, my Jesus is coming back. Do y'all believe it? Heaven's going to open. A white horse is going to ride out of there. 
and my Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords, on his thigh. And guess what's on his head? It's not Stephanos, help me, it's Diadem. Hallelujah. He's crowned because of who he is. But uh, they, they do all their running to obtain a corruptible. The word corruptible means it's pining away. It's, it's rotting. It, it's, it's decaying. Let me tell you what they got. Honestly, if the historians are right, I mean, they study this stuff. The man who trained six months nearly died a few times on the practice field could be whipped by the coats. He gets an olive branch woven and put on his head. Or, that's up north at Athens, down south near Corinth in the isthmus down there, he got a pine branch. That's what I read, a pine branch. Are we Georgians? Know that a pine branch ain't worth a whole lot. Could I get a name? You let a storm go through. That was their reward. They worked that hard to get a pine branch for a reward. <laughs> Paul says we need to be running a whole lot better than we are. We need a dose more self-control than we got. But he said, hallelujah. Hope I get an excuse of bad grammar. We ain't going to get no pine branch, hallelujah. We'll receive an incorruptible. Fadeth not away. Oh, I do need to tell you this. And, and, and uh, everybody don't believe it, and, and, but it, I, I, I take it literally. I believe the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ will give out crowns. I believe there's a crown of glory. There's an incorruptible crown. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of rejoicing. There's a crown of life. Five of them are mentioned anyway. And uh, boy, it, 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 I'd love to. I, I can't claim it yet. I'd love to get a crown or two over there. I believe it. Uh, before his feet. Amen. Hey, they only got an olive branch, but I'll tell you this, it's worth a minute. They not only got an olive branch, they didn't have to pay a cent of taxes the rest of their lives. Did y'all hear me? That's worth running for. <laughs> they, they, uh, their children will be educated. They'll never pay a cent for the education of their children. And, number three, they'll put a statue of them up down at the park. They'll be honored perpetually for their prowess in running the race. Let me see if we really believe it. And y'all are following me so closely, and I deeply appreciate that. Uh, when we get to heaven, judgment seat of Christ, when those crowns are given out, it's going to beat not having to pay taxes from now on. 
It's going to beat the daylights out of my children getting educated by the government. In fact, I'm not even sure I want my children educated by the government. You don't know the truth. And it sure does beat having a statue uh, over yonder made out of rock somewhere. Thank God I'm going to live forever anyhow. All I'm saying, I don't think we are running fast enough, working hard enough, doing doing more. That's what I'm preaching on. Doing more for my Savior. Uh, go to verse 26. Oh, my goodness. Verse 26. I therefore so run. I love that. Paul is a, if history's right, uh, there is an ancient document. It's not biblical. Uh, and it's called, it, it has the name Paul in the title. And, uh, and it, it gives a description of Paul. I can't prove it's right or wrong. But if it's right, says he's a short little fellow. Not of great stature. Says he's bald-headed. Has a crooked nose, little bent over in statue, typical Jewish persona. Said he had a high pitched voice. <laughs> you know, they did criticize him. His speech is contemptible. Said said that said that he was not. He was not that sad. That little fellow right there. So run. Ah, I can see him now. Oh, they said he is bow-legged too. Don't know one of you say amen. <laughs> little old, little old short fella, bald-headed, bow-legged, a big old Roman toga flowing behind him. And he said, I'm getting in that race. Uh, Carve me out of place. Ah, so rude. And, uh, and here he goes, trying to run the race to the glory of God. Honey, if he's going to make a lap, I hope I get, I think I'll join in with him. Ah, so run. Been a great week from what I hear. God's worked magnificently. But it could be possible, and all our shouting and I'm in favor of it, all our enjoyment, I like every second of it, some of us could come and go and still not be doing our best for Jesus. Uh, therefore, so run. Oh, I want to be a better runner in that race. Oh, there's so much flooding into my mind. But, but, but there's not time to... to uh, I therefore so run. Not as uncertainly. Not as uncertain. Preacher, I'm going to try to speed up and deal with my words here. Not as uncertain. The word is delos. And it means not without Clarity, not without 
clarity. Paul said, I want to run the race for my Savior. I want to run for my God in heaven, but I don't want to do it unclearly. I want to be able to say, watch this, John. I want to be able to see the track. There's an inbounds and an out of bounds. Said, if I'm going to run the race, hope I get an end. I want to do it right. A lot of us probably don't have clarity of vision to know where the track's even located. A lot of us don't have enough, I don't, I don't want to say sense, uh, 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 spiritual discernment uh, to be able to tell who the The enemy is not setting three pews in front of you. The enemy's the devil. I wish we could see clearly enough to learn who we ought to fight in this <laughs> You couldn't just go out there and run anywhere you wanted to. That rules to go by. You have to stay in the lane. You can't even get in your neighbor's lane. They are waging. I want to run it clearly. Oh, I tell you what. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to get a piece about His will for my life. And I want to do that thing. That's right. Amen. Yes. Fella told me the other day. I was preaching about God is the creator. And may I just say this, God is the creator. You see, that's not throwing off on you. That's a half-hearted amen. And that's what you always get when you say God's the creator. That's what the fellow said. He said, it's not that important. Said you're talking about creation all the time. Said it's just not that big an issue. Said let's go on and preach Jesus. Let's go on and preach it. I want you to hear me. If you don't have a creator, you don't need a savior. If you don't have a creator, you are an animal species that has been advancing for thousands, yea, they'd say tens of thousands, some of them millions of years. You've never done anything wrong. Animals don't do In fact, you're just advancing up the evolutionary ladder and you don't need a Savior. Hear me? But that ain't the way it happened. God put a perfect man and a perfect woman in a perfect environment. They plunged us into a world of iniquity, all of sin, and come short of God's glory. Every sinner is going to hell, and we do need a Savior. Brother Michael, how in the world did you get on all that? Running clearly, running clearly. It is important that Adam and Eve lived in a garden. By the way, if the Bible's wrong in the first three chapters, could be wrong in the last three chapters. But I got some good news. My Bible's not wrong anywhere. In case you wonder what I'm doing, I forgot my handkerchief. So they got me a portable box right here. And furthermore, excuse me, but I slobber when I preach. When I slobber in my preach, that pretty little late, my wife right there, she's got this little signal. She goes, I feel like a runner on first base. Do I steal or not? What do I do? That just means wipe your mouth. You're spitting all over everybody. Therefore, so I run not as uncertainly. Now watch. 
watch. I can't take much longer, but so fight. He changes metaphors completely. So fight. And go home, vine strong. Look up that word fight. It is the word to box. Pugilist. It's a Latin word that would be to box. Oh, my soul. Paul's not just going to run. He's going to box. Help me. It'll save me some time. We are, we are up against a formidable enemy tonight. We are in a fight. I can just see him. I can just see him. It is a pleasure to preach for Brother Allen and the congregation. I was preaching that Rosaka Thanksgiving week. Honey, I guess I forgot my handkerchief that night. And I'm pretty sure I was foaming at the mouth. That's exactly what he did. I was preaching, and I didn't even know he did it. He was holding a handkerchief out for me. I thought, Brother Sammy's careless with his handkerchief tonight. What's wrong? He's trying to get me to take a handkerchief. Just like he did right there. How sweet. So, fight. Uh, up there. Does he? Hope I get an amen. If not, I'm going to sit on the pew myself and holler amen. Acts one of God's giants when it comes to defending. He'll be 80 years of age come October. I came to the Atlanta, Georgia area in 1964, 65, right along then. I'm telling you, his preaching revival meetings all over, anywhere you'd go. You remember Grady Sanford? Remember McDonough? I know you do. McDonough Heights. I was just a little old kid preacher. I heard that man of God mount the pulpit. He preached with Holy Ghost power all over him, quoting verses up one side, down the other. Got a hold of my life. He's been a big influence. I'm glad God still got him some fighters in the ring. Makes me want to take a swing at the devil. Oh, I can hear it now, Brother Bagwell. Go easy there, somebody will take you serious. We're living in a day where it has become a shame to be a fundamentalist. They say, we're not fundamentalists. We are evangelicals. And I thought, what are they talking about? I heard a man give this definition. He says an evangelical used to be a fundamentalist. But he decided he didn't want to be known as a fighter. He wanted to be known as a lover instead. Are y'all hearing me? Used to be a fundamentalist, but he decided it wasn't worth fighting over. We'll just love him. 
We'll just say, come as you are. I'll need some amen. We'll just turn it into entertainment. We'll just, we'll just take anybody, no matter how they're living. If that's what they are, mark her down, internet, whoever you are, wherever you are. I ain't no evangelical. I am a fundamentalist. There are some things worth fighting for. Glory to God. Fight, fight. We ought to fight the devil. We ought to fight modernism. We ought to fight homosexuality. We ought to fight abortion. We ought to fight uh, sin in any point. Fight, fight, fight. Daddy used this word is certainly uh, politically incorrect. Buddy, I ain't going to be a sissy. If I'm going to step up there, I'm going to stand for something, Lord. And I want to do some fighting against you, buddy. So fight I, verse 26, not as one that beateth the air. Dello, the verb beateth. Dello, it, it, it literally means to skin alive, to whoop up on country. He said, if I'm going to fight, I'm going to do more. Hope I get an amen. I'm going to do more than shadow box. You do all the, you do that all day long. You ain't gonna hit a thing, bless your heart. Paul said, if I'm gonna get in it, if I'm gonna run the race, if I'm gonna do some fighting, I'm gonna hit something. I'm gonna hit a sin. I'm gonna hit somebody. Thank God. Thank God. That's what drove Paul. That's why he's a man of God. read about those Olympians who were boxers. Hear me. Said, said they didn't have rules about the boxing gloves like they do today. Said if you wanted to said if, if you wanted to wrap your head, said if you wanted to put rocks under the wrapping. I didn't care. Anything goes. It's going to box a while. I, I, never, I, I had never used this expression in my preaching. It's about time some of us took off the kid gloves. It's about time we tried to knock the devil upside the head hard enough he'd at least know somebody was aiming for him. Boom. And says this. i got to get off this subject. It says, when they went into the ring in the Greek Olympics, only one man would come out alive. Only one man. The survivor is the winner. Dead man. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Fault. 
to the death. I, I'm going to wear you out. I'm going to tax your patience. I just want to tell you something. I'm going to get the biggest boxing match I know of. Happened 2,000 years ago. It happened on an old rugged cross. My dear Savior was in mortal combat with the devil. And can I make an announcement? Thank God. I know Jesus died, but have y'all heard? He didn't stay dead. He got up out of the grave three days and three nights later. I'll tell you who the dead man is. It's the devil. He's done. He's on his way to eternal perdition. I'm glad Jesus is the victor. Mm. Last verse. I don't want to beat the air. Oh, and, and, and this is... Okay? Are y'all okay? Sweet moderator said it's okay. I need a few more minutes. Can y'all stay with me? I won't drag it out. I won't waste your time. But I will talk to you about that last verse if you'll stay with me. But I keep under... My body. Paul. I keep under my body. His little body. What possible damage could his little body do? He's writing this 30 years after he got saved. He's been in prison. He's been beaten. He's, he's physically, at times, he may say, what? He said, that body of mine, I'm going to get the exact word. It's right there in that 27. I keep under my body. I'm going to say something. It's going to sound awful ugly. Don't hate me. God's just got on my heart. A lot of us, we are slaves to our bodies instead of making our bodies slaves to us. I just got to have that other hot dog or hamburger or dessert. I just gotta have that other. Whatever. It can be a. It can be a plate of pinto beans and karma. If I can't control myself, and boy, am I preaching to myself. If I can't control myself, I'm a hundred miles from being what I ought to be for my Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, oh, I got the Greek. I keep under my body. Go home. Look it up. It means to beat yourself in the face under the eye. It uses the word eye till you are black and blue. I keep under my body. Paul said, if I ever get up, Decided don't want to go to Sunday school. Ringing outside. Don't feel all that good. Wasn't that friendly to me at church last Sunday. Paul said, I get myself up and I get my little fist and I say, Paul, I want you to understand something. I'm going to need an amen. You are going to Sunday school. You're going to get over the poor maze. You're going to get in there and get yourself cleaned up. You will be at God's house. And if you don't, I'll beat the devil out of you. Some of us need to get our bodies under subjection and under control. Uh, I keep under my body and I bring it 
I bring it into subjection. Beautiful. It's a blended word. It's a it's a complex word. But but uh, and uh, it uses the word for slave, doulos, and it uses the verb ago, which means to live. It's what he's going to do to his body. I'll make it a slave, and I'll leave it anywhere I need it to go. Y'all aren't getting that. I will put my body in servitude to me, and it will do what my will, what my mind in Christ Jesus tells it to do. Excuse me, bad grammar again. We ain't there yet, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I started just saying, saying I'm not talking to you about getting saved. I'm talking to us about living for Almighty God. And doing our best in living for Him. And we'll bring it into subjection. Lest it by any means, when I have preached to others, Caruso, when I have proclaimed, when I have announced like a herald, the kings come, when I have preached to others, that's Allah's, Others of the same kind. Others of the same kind. You know who I'm talking to tonight? Hope I get an amen. I'm talking to the crowd that believes like I believe. I'm talking to others of the same kind. I think I'll go on record. I doubt I got much to say to the heteros. as the others of a different kind. They don't like hour-long sermons. They don't like exposition. They don't like old-fashioned hymns singing. They don't like taking up offerings and helping God's people along the way. I want to preach to God's youngins. Hallelujah. Lest after I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. Don't scare every one of us. Castaway. Listen to the word. Oh, or ah, I should say it's an alpha. They call it an alpha privative. Ah, dokimos. What in the world does it mean? That means castaway. But in this sense, a disapproved one. A disapproved one. It means this. Dokimos is a word they use. The Greeks were some of the forerunners in coinage. Metal, silver, or gold coins to pay you buy your grain and whatever. But wherever you got coinage, you got counterfeiters on the way. And they devised a way to mark a coin and tell if it was real or if it was counterfeit. Yes, sir. If it's a genuine thing, it's dokimos, approved. If it's counterfeit, it's ah dokimos, cast away, disapproved, not useful for the master's service. Every bit of this text leading up here. I want to be, could I get an amen? I want to be approved of God. Study to show thyself approved of God. I don't care if the world thinks much of me. And I love y'all. I didn't even preach to please you tonight. I preach to bring honor and glory and pleasure to my Savior in heaven. Hallelujah. F.B. Meyer. You know him. Read of him. 
One of the greatest biographical preachers ever lived. F.B. Meyer had a fountain pen. Someone gave it to him. He would always write with a fountain pen. That's just, he loved it. Had him a pen. One day his pen started leaking. Ruined his shirt. Never was any use again. Couldn't write. He'd be writing and and, a blot would come. Any of us would have thrown the pen away. Get rid of it. Debbie, I'm glad you didn't get a hold of it. Well, it'd be gone. But F.B. Meyer kept that pen on his desk for the rest of his life. Why? A pen once useful, but a pen that had begun to leak, blot, mess things up. No longer! Appropriate for the task of which it was designed. To F.B. Meyer's mind, the pen was a dokimos, cast away, disapproved. He said, every day I walk in my office, I don't know if this will help anybody, and I pick up my pen and I pray, oh God, give me two or three amens. Don't let me be a castaway. Don't let me be a castaway. That's what I'm talking about tonight. These things drove Paul. What was it? Agrippa said, I believe it was Agrippa, said, Paul, much warning on this Jesus stuff doth make thee mad. You're crazy. I don't know. Running a race like that, fighting a fight like that, it just might mean the world will call you nuts. The world will call you crazy. I got some good news. I don't care what the world calls me. But I sure do want to be sold out to an almighty. I'm closing. George Mueller. Everybody's heard of him. George Mueller read through his Bible. Hear this. 200 times. On his knees. Praying. As he read it. Two hundred times. Running the race. Fighting the fight. Doing all you can do for God. Are y'all still with me? Y'all still out there? Well, preacher, I've read mine through half time. Good. Get the other half. And I'll not belittle your one time. But I'm talking George Mueller stuff tonight. Over and over and over and over again. J. Harold Smith. I got the opportunity to pick him up at the airport once. Atlanta Airport. He's going to preach at the school where, where I got to go. Dr. J. Harold Smith told me this with his own mouth. He said, as best we can tell in our ministry, hear it, you'll, somebody will scoff, but I want you to hear what he told me. He said, we believe we have seen one soul saved for every hour, every hour that I've been in the ministry to the glory of God. Did you hear that? said, we believe there's been one soul saved 
forever. Now, I'm not here to debate the accuracy of his statement. I guess he ought to know. He's the one who gets the letters and he knows the response. But uh, that leaves me in the dust. Here's what I'm saying. i got to close. I know that. Not a one of us in this building. But we could do, could I get an amen, a little bit more for our Savior. Buckle up. Get back in basic training. Run the race. Fight the fight to the glory of God. Give it up. He sure gave his all for us, didn't he, ladies and gentlemen? Giving it all we've got that we not be disapproved, that we not be a castaway. Let's leave this meeting. Let's leave this week more dedicated than ever to loving with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our might. And God's people said, Stand with us, please, across the congregation. Somebody use this altar. God's got you a mind to this thing.